It's great to be with you guys this morning. Thanks for taking some time out of your weekend to, uh, to be with us, especially if you're visiting first time, first time in a long time, you are our honored guests. Uh, we've got a, a special gift for you at the I'm New table in the foyer. Just fill out that, that info card that you got on your way in, and uh, we'll get you a bunch of information about this church, all that God is doing in this place, hopefully ways we can get you plugged in and, uh, and better serve you and your family. Man, I was thinking on the way uh, driving in this morning, what a difference a week makes. Holy cow, last week there was 17 feet of snow out there, it seemed like, and uh, 30 degrees. It was crazy. For the faithful few who showed up, man, we ended up giving out like Disney World tickets and trips to the Bahamas. This morning we just gave you a bulletin. You know, it's like, eh. but anyway, hey, what a difference a, a week makes, right? But uh, grateful that you are here. We are in the, the middle of a series, actually towards the tail end of a series entitled Limitless, a series on the Holy Spirit. And we are excited to be diving deeper into a subject that a lot of folks haven't talked about or studied in great detail before. And uh, so we're excited to go a little bit deeper this morning. This morning we're going to go into some topics uh, that, that a lot of folks have never really studied or talked about. And uh, so it's going to be a little different, a little bit deeper than, than maybe normal. But hang in there with me. I'll try to make sense of it for you and, and walk you through it. Okay? Let me pray for us real fast and we'll dive into the Word. God, uh, we do want to know more about your love. And we do want to be convinced, God even now, that you love us and that all you ask in return, Lord, is our love for you. Help us just to, to be that simple and help everything that we talk about this morning to be basked and clothed in your love and, uh, and just help everything to make sense today, God. Would you speak powerfully now through this moment and would your word come alive? Would you bring truth to us, God, and would that truth set many of us in this room free? Make it so. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, a few weeks ago, I, uh, I came down with a nasty head cold. Anybody else been struggling the last couple of weeks with some sort of illness? Holy cow, something got me. So in addition to drinking lots of fluids and getting lots of rest, right, just like the doctor ordered, uh, I found great relief through these little puppies, uh, Alka-Seltzer plus cold tablets. Not just the regular stuff, all right? This is the plus version right here. Now, these little puppies, this is like manna from heaven, for those who have a head cold, right? And if you've ever experienced the wonder of these little effervescent tablets, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, these are designed, right? They were created to powerfully soothe all of your symptoms when you're sick. But you have to, you have to know a little bit about how to use them. It doesn't take a rocket scientist. Believe me, I figured it out. But you got to know a little something about the tablets, right? See, if you, if you just got the box and just set it next to a glass of water... Just kind of waited for something magical to happen. You'd be waiting for quite some time, would you not? You could even take the box and just put it next to your head. Just be like, please, please go away. In here, not not here, right? I mean, you could even take out a tablet and just be like, this this is how it's got to happen, right? You just you could just throw the tablet directly into the water itself or the whole package. You're closer, but still not there. You could go to another extreme and you could. You could take out a tablet, pop it in your mouth. Somebody over there wanted me to do it, you sickos. Should have asked a youth group member to come up here. They probably would have done it. You got to understand how these things work. You got to unpackage them. You got to unwrap them. You got to understand that then put them in an eight ounce glass of cold water. That's how they do their thing. Suddenly, oh, suddenly things begin to happen. Suddenly relief is in the air. 
and in your nostrils. But it took a little bit of understanding. You see how that worked? The same thing that is true for Alka-Seltzer plus cold tablets. I'll let that sit there. If you're sick, you can come up afterward. That's my free gift to you. The same thing that is true for those tablets is also true for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. To tap into the helping and healing power that is available to us, you have to understand a little bit about it. To tap into the helping and healing power of what God has gifted you with, you got to unpack it, unwrap it, and then use it the way that it was designed to be used. And just like putting a box next to the glass of water or the box next to your head or a packet in the water, there's a lot of misunderstanding out there about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so we're trying to figure out, God, what does it look like for us to unwrap them, use them, and utilize them just the way you want us to? See, in our studies so far, we're learning that when you become a Christian, you receive a gift, the greatest gift, in fact. It's called the gift of God's Holy Spirit. It's the gift of his presence, the gift of his life, the gift of his breath. And it goes from being out there somewhere to being in here now. And the gift of the Holy Spirit comes with gifts from the Holy Spirit. The Bible calls these things spiritual gifts, spiritual talents. And every single believer has one of them. They are a special, spiritual, supernatural talent or ability that God has given you to basically help and heal a sick world, to help and heal a sick church. And if I understand it correctly, although Alka-Seltzer plus cold tablets, although I love you to death, and although these are extremely powerful, the power that is in us is infinitely greater than anything like this. The ability to help and heal others that is in us is greater than these little tablets. And I want you to be excited and I want you to get ready to unpack those things. So over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about these different spiritual gifts, these different talents and abilities that are mentioned several places throughout the Bible. You have 1 Corinthians 12, which kind of gives you a long list of these gifts. The end of 12, you also have a couple more mentioned. Then you have Romans 12, another list, a little bit shorter. But you put all those together, you basically have 20 separate gifts. We divided these into three separate categories to kind of make sense of them. You have the knowing gifts the doing gifts, and the speaking gifts. And if you missed either of the last couple of weeks because you were too wimpy to drive out into the snow, sorry, I didn't mean to say that out loud. What just, ah, anyway. But if you missed one of the last two weeks for whatever the reason, I want you to go back and listen to those messages online because I want you to look at that list. You have been given at least one, if not multiple gifts that are on that screen right now. That describes you. Yes, you. I'm talking to you. You have this talent and ability, this supernatural calling, if you will, in your life to do something incredible in this world and in this church. And you need to understand what it is and how you should better use it and utilize it. So this morning, I'm excited to go a little deeper into that third category, uh, the category of speaking gifts. If I told you that I was a carrier of something chances are you would probably take a few steps away from me, right? Or run away from me. A carrier has negative connotations for us. Sounds like you have some sort of disease, right? Some sort of fungus that you're going to get on me if I get too close to you. John Burns, our our tech guy, whenever I sneeze in the office, no matter how far away from him I am, always yells out, get out of here, you sicko, you're going to infect us all. It's like, jeez, John, I'm sorry. 
But that's what comes to mind when we hear the phrase carrier, right? Or the term a carrier. It's nasty. It's negative. But what's, what's funny and ironic is that when it comes to spiritual gifts as a whole, especially the speaking gifts, that's exactly what you've been called to be. It's exactly what you've been called to do. You've been called to carry something in you and then share it with others. So let's see if we can't remove some of the negative connotation when it comes to that particular word. Of the 20 or so spiritual gifts that are mentioned in the Bible, there are a few, if we're honest, that are a tad bit more taboo than others, right? A few that are a, ta- a tad bit more a tabloid-esque, if you will. There are a few gifts that tend to raise a few more questions and raise a few more eyebrows. Those tend to be these, the gift of tongues, the gift of the interpretation of tongues, and the gift of prophecy. You see, you tell someone you have the gift of encouragement, and they're like, fantastic. You tell someone you have the gift of tongues, and they're like, freak! All right, maybe it's not that extreme. But there's a big discrepancy in how we return or respond to these gifts. But here's the thing. The Apostle Paul spent a lot of time talking about these three particular gifts. And not only did he talk a lot about them, he was pretty excited about them. And pretty anxious to talk about them with others. And I think he wants us to be as well. So let's dive more fully into these gifts. 1 Corinthians 14 verses 1 through 5 says this. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Exactly what we've been doing the last month. Especially prophecy. Hmm. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. I'd like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather you have prophecy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Now, chances are you haven't spent a great deal of time studying 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 through 5. Right? You get to that in your daily Bible reading or your Bible study. It's like, oh, look, Corinthians 15. Oh. All right, y'all got to wake up this morning. You got to help me out. This is as good as it gets. We, we tend to overlook, right, or, or flip through these particular gifts because we just have no idea what to do with them. We have no idea what he's talking about here, and so we just kind of gloss over it or completely skip over it. And that's a shame. These are good gifts. I want to show you that. We typically associate the gift of speaking in tongues with someone someone who suddenly kind of bursts out in some strange, unintelligible, incoherent language. They start babbling these, these mumbled, jumbled words and phrases. Maybe you're sitting or standing next to a person like this in a worship service or a, or a time of prayer, and suddenly they're saying things that make sense to you, and then suddenly they're not. And you look over at them, and you're a little confused, a little caught off guard, and so you kind of smile and nod, and then you look for the nearest exit. That's typically how it goes with this particular gift. But we need not be afraid of the gift of tongues, nor those who have it. And here's why. At its most basic understanding. The biblical gift of tongues is defined in this way. It's the ability to communicate in a language that is not your default or native language. Again, the ability to communicate in a language that is not your default or native language. Now, for some, like the apostles in Acts chapter 2, the first moment the Spirit comes down in this powerful way, 
It manifests itself in that these guys were able to speak in languages they had never heard before or never learned before. I imagine in that moment, they're kind of standing next to each other, be like me standing next to Nathan. All of a sudden, he's speaking in Swahili. I'm like, I didn't know you knew Swahili. He'd be like, I didn't either. That would kind of be one of the manifestations of the gift of tongues. You suddenly speak in a language you've never learned before, but you're fluent in it. Another way it typically happens is that you speak your native language. You just speak what you normally would, but people hear it in their language, and the two will be different. So you speak in one language, but it is heard in a separate language. Let me give you an example of this. Billy Graham, one of the greatest preachers, teachers, evangelists of our time, he believed firmly this was a very real occurrence. So Billy Graham spoke English. Therefore, every sermon he ever preached was in English. Every altar call he ever gave for folks to come and respond to the Lord, it was given in, guess what? English. But he always wanted his prayer team, he always wanted those who would receive people at the front, he always wanted them to be fluent in languages other than English. That seems interesting. Why would he want that? Well, he believed that when he spoke in these settings, God would kind of supernaturally translate the message to other people, people who didn't even speak English. And it happened all the time. In one event, in one city, people who spoke 20 different languages other than English gave their life to Christ at a Billy Graham crusade. He didn't speak 20 different languages. I guarantee you that. It wasn't translated on the screen or people didn't have the headphones on. That didn't happen that way. It was God supernaturally translating the message into these people's lives and hearts. Isn't that cool? That's powerful. It'd be fascinating and and overwhelming to kind of see that happen. One guy said, I didn't understand a word he was saying, but he was speaking directly to my heart. That's kind of the gift of tongues. So it's this supernatural ability to speak or to share or to be heard in another language. But it goes one step further than that. In 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to look at this passage in a little bit more detail here in just a minute. But Paul says there are the tongues of men, meaning the languages that are spoken on the earth, right? The tongues of men. But he also says there are the tongues of angels, which seems to be a language that is spoken beyond the earth those who are outside of the earth, if you will. Now stop and think about that for a minute. That's pretty fascinating. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm throwing a bunch of stuff out at you. You got a lot of work to do this week on your own, okay? We're just gonna go through this. 2 Corinthians 12, Paul says there was a man who kind of had a a, a revelation of heaven. He was brought up to heaven. We believe this man is Paul. He's just kind of talking in the awkward third person. But he gets to get a glimpse of heaven. He gets this glimpse of heaven. And it says, the first thing he says is, and I heard inexpressible things. Imagine if someone gets a, gets a, a, a trip to heaven and then comes back and you're like, tell me all about it. What was it like? He says, the things you hear are indescribable. Can you imagine? I mean, our chorus and our choir is pretty, pretty good, man. 830 service has been rocking out. But can you imagine what an angelic chorus sounds like? Can you imagine what the voice of Jesus sounds like when he speaks your name? Can you imagine what the, what the Father's voice sounds like, the one that brought all of creation into existence? Can you imagine the one? Or Paul says, I heard inexplicable, inexpressible things. What he heard was this angelic language. He heard the language of heaven, the native tongue of heaven itself. And Paul is saying, There's an opportunity for some of you to speak that language now. 
the language of heaven spoken here on the earth. Now, before you discount this, I want to just kind of say this. When it comes to talking to God, when it comes to talking about God, it would be crazy for us to think that just one language does it perfectly, wouldn't it? It'd be crazy for us to think that one language is sufficient and says all there is to say about God. No, no, no. All the languages that we have, they're all man-made. They're just a set of sounds, a set of syllables. And yes, they are a way to talk about God or talk to God, but they are just that, just a way to do it. There are many ways to do it, and Paul is hinting that there might be a greater way, a better way, a more perfect way. The English language, I don't care how fluent you are, how articulate you are in it, it cannot say everything there is to say about God or to God. But the same is true for Spanish, the same is true for German, the same is true for French, the same is true for Nathan Swahili. Right? The same is true for every language. It is a way, but maybe not the perfect way or even the best way. And so the scripture says there might be another way. There might be another way to speak to heaven, and it's this angelic language. There might be the language that is spoken in heaven that you can now speak on the earth. The Apostle Paul calls this the language of mysteries or the mysteries of the spirit, right? He says back in that passage in 14, for anyone who speaks in a tongue is speaking to heaven itself. He's not speaking to other people. And in fact, when you speak this angelic tongue and you speak to God, other people aren't going to be able to understand it. There's something special happening between you and the Lord. Now, what Paul talks about here isn't just random. It's not just this one-time thing that we're like, oh, Paul was kind of off his rocker that day, whatever. No, 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 it's talked about all the time. Jude 1.20 says this. We are called not just to pray, but to pray in the Holy Spirit. Build yourself up in your faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. That's an interesting phrase. In John 4, Jesus is talking to a woman, and he says, one day my believers will worship me in the Spirit and in the truth. Now, there's so much to that phrase. I wish we had time to unpack it, but I believe it means, in addition to a lot of other things, possibly speaking in this tongue, speaking in this spiritual speech, speaking in this angelic language. Now, as you can imagine, it's probably experienced, it's easy to take all this to an extreme. There are some who will talk about the gift of tongues, and they will say, this is the litmus test if you are a true believer. If you really have the Spirit, you will be able to do this. And if you can't do this, well, then you don't really have the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life. You ever been in a situation like that or a church like that? That was the point of it all. That was kind of the the pinnacle of all things. You speak in tongues and you please God, or you don't and you don't. That's a powerful statement. Basically, the, the logic is this. Paul wants everybody to have it, so everybody should have it. And if you don't, well, then something's wrong with you. So that's one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum is like, whoa, that is crazy talk over there. This just seems kind of foolish, kind of out there. I don't understand it. I don't think you can even have the gift to begin with. Everybody should have it? No, 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 nobody has it. It's used, it's abused. You could just fake having it. And so people discount it. You see the two extremes? One is this is the most important gift and you better have it or you're not really a Christian. The other one is, yeah, I don't know, Christian, don't bother yourself with that kind of stuff. You can't trust it. You probably can't even have it. But every spiritual gift can fall into that extreme categorization, can it not? You you can make the same argument for every single spiritual gift. Preaching is the most important spiritual gift. And if you all don't stand up and preach each and every Sunday, well, then you're not really a Christian. Or you go over here and be like, yeah, preaching is kind of overrated. I mean, he's just a talking head up there, like blah, 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 blah. Right? 
It can go to both extremes. It's most important. You better have it. You better be able to do it or else or eh, give or take a little bit. doesn't really matter. Every gift can fall into that category. The same is true for tongues. So I don't ever want you to allow the extremes to dictate or to shape your understanding of this special gift. Now, this is just based on my own personal experience, nothing more. This is like when the Apostle Paul says, this ain't God talking anymore, it's just Paul talking. This is how the gift of tongues manifests itself. This is how the gift of tongues kind of plays itself out in your life. You're in a worship setting or a time of prayer, maybe even like writing something to the Lord, and you want to say something, but you just don't know what to say. You ever been in a moment like that where words just don't cut it? Words just aren't sufficient? Maybe the words in the, in the scripture or the words in your journal or even the words on the screen, they are words that are, that are available to you, but they're just not good enough words. You just want more words. You want different words. You want better words. I've been in that setting before, and so someone prayed over me that I would receive the gift of tongues. And what happens? You just start, you just start to make noise, it says. You just move your tongue, move your lips. Just start talking to God any way that you can. Just start saying something, Thomas. And so you do. I don't know what to say, so I just allow my mouth and my, my voice and my vocal cords to just do whatever it is they want to do. Now, maybe, maybe I'm just making it up. Maybe it's just a bunch of random sounds and syllables that just come, are coming out of my mouth and it makes me feel better about myself. Maybe. Maybe it's weird and extreme and odd. Maybe. Or maybe, maybe it's the groans of my heart. Maybe it's the cries of my heart coming out in language. Maybe it's the Spirit teaching me the sound of heaven, the language of heaven, so that maybe I can communicate more effectively with heaven. Are you with me? Maybe. Now, is it going to take faith to believe that what was just happening in my life is this gift that's going to build up my spirit? Yeah, of course it's going to take faith, but everything we do as a Christian takes faith, and everything we do as Christians is really kind of odd if you stop and think about it. Prayer as a whole. Okay, you want me to, to stop and talk to the God of the universe, the God who made everything out there. You want me to bow my head, uh, fold my hands, get on my knees, close my eyes. You want me to pray to him as if he's standing right next to me. You realize how much faith that takes? Communion's rather odd. Uh, okay, what do, what do I do with these? Bread, juice? takes a lot of faith, doesn't it, to believe that these represent his body and blood and somehow take his body and life and put them into your own? Remember the first time I saw baptism, I was like, I didn't know churches got hot tubs on the stage. Can I jump in? Where can I sign up? Everything we do as a believer is somewhat special, somewhat spiritual, some, somewhat supernatural, is it not? It takes a lot of faith and a lot of trust. The same is true with tongues. Again, maybe it's just noises, maybe it's just random, random sounds and syllables, but maybe, maybe it's a spirit language. Maybe it's the, the angelic tongue. At first, it will feel odd to you. At first, it will sound odd to you. At first, people will look at you rather odd. But I wonder if God isn't trying to build up your spirit and strengthen you in a way he couldn't otherwise. Again, the gift of tongues, guys, it's on the list of the 20. It's in the scripture. God included it for us. If it was just a one-time thing, you would have taken it out. It wouldn't be there for us to read. It's one of the 20 gifts, so that means it's given by a good God, so it's a good gift, and it has been given for our good. But you gotta unpack it. You gotta understand exactly how it works. You can't just 
Put it in your mouth. You can't just expect for it to work any way you want it to. Tongues is the ability, again, to communicate in a language that is not your own. But that's just the thing, okay? One more point about this. If no one can communicate with you other than God, then it's a conversation you keep between you and God. Did you get that? This is a way that you have to communicate with God. But if nobody else can make sense of it, if nobody else can join in on that conversation, then it's a conversation you keep between you and God. And that's why interpretation is always mentioned right alongside with the gift of tongues in the Bible. Because communication is a two-way street. Every time Paul talks about speaking in this angelic language, he talks about the necessity of having somebody right next to you who can make sense of the language. That gift does absolutely no good for anybody if you're just making all these sounds and syllables, having this great conversation between you and God, and, and no one else can be included in it. You ever been a part of a situation like that where two people are talking and you're standing right next to them, but they act like you're not right next to them? It's like, woohoo! Yeah, I'm right here, guys. You're talking. I can't understand. I'm right. Hey, can you include me in the conversation? Awkward third wheel. This is awesome, right? That's how it can be with the gift of tongues if you're not careful. If you're speaking to God in this powerful, special, angelic language and nobody else can join in on you, it's not encouraging to them. That's why Paul says, I wish you all had it, but it's probably going to be misused. It's going to be abused, and no one will be encouraged by it. So I wish you all had prophecy instead. We'll talk about that just in a minute. Now, when it comes to the gift of interpretation, I've never seen this utilized in a public space like this. Again, just based on my own personal experience, I've never been in a setting where someone is speaking in a tongue on this end of the sanctuary, and then someone across the room is like, I know what John just said. Everybody listen up. Never been in a setting like that. Some of you have been in a setting like that. But my understanding of the gift of interpretation is is this. It's just like uh, the special ability all moms have, basically. We're hanging out with the Harrisons a few weeks ago, uh, and their youngest son, Lincoln, starts talking to me. Tom, he said, He's one of the few people on this earth who's allowed to call me Tom, all right? Then he says this. Okay, it wasn't Chinese, but it was something similar or whatever I just said, okay? Uh, uh, Excuse me? Kara leans over. He wants you to go play outside. (laughs) Okay, cool, let's go. I look back over at Kara but first he wants a glass of water. <laughs> perfect. Okay, perfect. Bam, the gift of interpretation right in front of our very eyes at the dining room table. Kara has it. Most mommies have it, do they not? The gift of interpretation is simply taking a language that is being spoken by someone that's rather confusing and being able to decipher it, being able to include others in it so they can be blessed by it. You with me? So tongues, maybe the ability to speak in the tongues of men or the tongues of angels, the the ability to communicate with heaven in a special, powerful, profound way. And then those who can interpret that conversation include others in that conversation. Powerful things. That brings us to our last hot topic, spiritual gift, and that's prophecy. Now for most, prophecy is uh, synonymous with fortune-telling and soothsaying, right? We think of prophets. We think of people who predict the future. I do stand out on the corner and scream out warnings of God's coming judgment. But again, don't allow the extremes to define this for you. Allow the Bible to define it for you. According to the Bible, the gift of prophecy is simply the ability to communicate revealed truth. 
the ability to communicate revealed truth. Now, we typically associate this gift with the Old Testament prophets, don't we? The guys and the gals in the Old Testament who spoke about things to come. But whenever they were speaking about those things, it could be captivity, could be judgment, could be Jesus coming in thousands of years, right? They were simply communicating what they received from God, and then they were sharing that with others. All right, they didn't look into a crystal ball. They didn't, they didn't like roll dice and make sense of things. They didn't look up into the stars. They weren't reading anybody's palms. They were hearing a message from God, and they were sharing it with someone very specific. Now, it could be about like what was going to happen thousands of years from then. It could be like what was going to happen on Thursday. But it was a message from God, spoken and delivered to somebody. But again, most of us, we don't, we don't think that it's that simple. We have this mystical, magical understanding of what prophecy is. No, no, prophecy is like, I, I come to you and I'm like, you can't go to King Supers on Friday at 345. Something bad is going to happen. You have to go to Safeway. You have to go to Safeway. Right? It's like, okay, yeah, prophets, this is weird. That's not what it is, guys. Remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14.1. Follow the way of love, eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. And many of you have a period in your Bible that you put there. It's not a period. It's a comma. Especially prophecy. How many of you over the last couple of... Uh, of days have been praying for the gift of prophecy. How many of you have been so eager to, to get prophecy? Mm, probably not. Probably not. Especially prophecy. What are you, Paul, what are you talking about? That means crystal balls and palm reading and fortune telling. We don't believe in that stuff as Christians, Paul. Well, you don't have to, Thomas. That's what he would say in response. Prophecy means hearing and receiving a message from the Lord and then sharing it with others. It boils down to this. Receive and then reveal. Receive and then reveal. Now it could be as simple as something I told you a couple weeks ago. You're reading a passage of scripture that morning. And then later that day, that same passage of scripture is just burning on your heart to share with your coworker, with your classmate. Like, man, you gotta, you gotta hear this word. This applies directly to your life. And when you are courageous enough to share that word, well done, prophet. Well done. You are exercising the gift of prophecy. It might be like a vision or an image or an idea that you have about somebody. You're like, man, I gotta share this with you. This keeps like burning on my mind and it just seems to apply to your life right now. And so you kind of share the story. You share the word. You share the symbol, if you will, with that person. They're like, man, how did you know that? That's exactly what's going on in my life, and that's exactly what I needed to hear. Let me give you an example. This has happened multiple times in my life, and every single time it's happened, it just has it's changed my life. Those of you who've kind of received a word from the Lord, you know exactly what I mean by this. There was one time where I was struggling with opportunities and what the Lord was going to do for me, and this strange woman stops me, and she's like, Thomas, the Lord will open doors for you that no man could ever open. It was like, God. Later on, we're beginning the Holy Spirit series, and I'm struggling, guys. I'm like, is this going to make sense to you guys? Are you going to enjoy this? Are you going to laugh at all the stupid spirit jokes? Right? Like, all these questions go through my mind. And I'm being attacked, like, wondering, are you, are you going to be blessed by this? Will it sink? Will it stick? And this woman comes up to me, and she says, I just feel like this is a, there's a word from the Lord that I need to share with you, Thomas. I'm like, okay, I'm all ears. She says, I feel like you are a soldier on a battlefield. And I'm like, yeah, I am. 
yeah, how'd you know? She's like, no, stop it. It's like, you don't have any weapons. It's like you're carrying a banner. And the banner just says love and freedom in the spirit. And you're just running around the battlefield with this banner. And you're encouraging everybody else to understand what the fight really is and to understand how you win the fight. Because this is as if the Lord was speaking directly to me in that moment. She didn't know what was going on in my life. She didn't know I was wrestling with all these different things. But she received a word from God, and then she revealed that word to me. And by doing so, she was being a prophet. And I don't want you to feel like I'm downplaying this gift or minimizing this gift. It's just the opposite. This is an amazing gift. It's taking powerful words from God, poignant words from God, and pointing them and delivering them to another person. And Paul wants all of us to have this gift. This is the one he wants you to have. Why? Because when you receive a word from him and share it with somebody else, you will be blessing them and blessing yourself at the same time. This is how everybody is encouraged when you receive a word from the Lord. Now, can this gift be used and abused? Of course it can. I mean, just last night, I'm praying fervently in the spirit, and the Lord is like, tell Wes Bowles their pastor needs a brand new Corvette. I'm like, Lord, are you sure? like yes blue with white stripes like lord i don't know are you sure yes tan leather seats and a convertible top like okay okay that's from you for sure can it be abused of course it can be abused of, por- of course people can say they received the word from the lord and they, and they never did but i believe with all my heart that, that there are people when they humble themselves before the lord they will receive a message from the Lord. And if they're faithful, they'll be able to share it on behalf of the Lord. And when you have that gift, it just changes everything, doesn't it? It encourages and strengthens people like nothing else ever can. So I know some of the spiritual gift stuff still kind of freaks some of you out. It's still a bit strange. You're you're worried that that if you ask for the gift of tongues, you're gonna be like at the supermarket one day and just start like bumbling and like, oh no, not now, no, don't come out. (laughs) you're worried that you're gonna like start folding your laundry one day and then all of a sudden like the end of the world is gonna unfold before your eyes like (laughs) that's not how it happens the devil wants you to think that these gifts are totally weird and totally awkward and outside their own possibility the devil wants you to believe and take these gifts to these extremes These gifts don't make you a freak. They make you a faithful follower of Jesus. And speaking of Jesus, again, we see these gifts being used and utilized by the one we love more than any other. I was struggling for a while wondering, did did Jesus ever speak in tongues? And then it hit me just a few nights ago, well, of course he did. He took the language of heaven and brought it to the earth. He spoke God's language to us in our native tongue, didn't he? He was able to communicate things that we never understood before and couldn't ever fathom, and he spoke directly to us. He spoke them in our language. That's the incarnation. The incarnation is actually the gift of tongues, speaking to us in a way we can understand, inviting us into a conversation we were never a part of before. And prophecy, Jesus said he didn't say a single thing that wasn't first revealed to him from his Father. So that means every moment this man spoke, it was prophetic. Because every moment he was receiving a word from the Lord and then just sharing it with the people around him. 
Because I don't want you to be afraid of these gifts. I don't want you to discount these gifts or to disregard these gifts. These gifts are great blessings to you. These gifts are how the Spirit wants to manifest himself in and through you. But again, church, it's not just enough to know about these gifts. Oh, that's nice. It's not just enough to get excited about these gifts. Yay! It's not just, to take, it's not just enough to take an assessment tool online, which I hope you have. We have two great tools online. I'm not going to do a show of hands. That was kind of frustrating. Anyway, okay. Take the assessments online, westbowlschurch.com. Figure out which gifts you have. Oh, wow, it's awesome. But it's not just enough to do that. It's not enough to talk about the gifts. It's not enough to sing about the gifts. It's not enough to even be excited about which particular gifts you have. It's not enough to do that about the gifts. You've got to take your gift out of the packaging. You've got to understand how powerful it is, and you've got to put it to use. Because you see, church, the world is hurting, is it not? The world is in need of healing, is it not? The same is true for each of us and each of our homes and families and this church as a whole. It's hurting and it's in need of help. And God has given us the power to heal it. But you gotta take your gift out of the packaging. You gotta put it to use. And this spirit of, of helping and healing this hurting world, that's really how we're gonna end our discussion on spiritual gifts. It's how Paul kind of framed it. It's all about love. See, these gifts are all about God's love for you God's love for his church and God's love for this world. Look at what he says in 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or speak in this angelic language of heaven, but I don't have love, I'm just like a resounding gong, clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. If I have faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, if I give my body over to the flames as a martyr, don't have love, I gain nothing. You see, love never fails, he says later in that chapter. Where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part will disappear. You see, these three remain, church, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. You know that passage you always go to, that 1 Corinthians 13, that lovey-lovey passage? Oh, love is this, love is that. This is lovely. The passage that makes us feel all warm and fuzzy inside, kind of gives us the goosebumps, right? That passage is speaking about spiritual gifts. And that every single one of the gifts you have received have been given to you out of love. Your Father's great love for you. He wants to gift you so much. And he expects you to use those gifts, to utilize those gifts to love the people around you. It's all about love. If the gift ever becomes more about the gift, if the gift ever becomes more about the receiver of the gift, if the gift ever becomes more than about anybody but the giver of the gift, then something is wrong, something is off. It's all about love. The Father's love for us and the love he wants us to have for the world. So Christian, like Alka-Seltzer plus cold tablets, you have been given the ability the powerful ability to help and heal a hurting world. But you gotta take your gift, you gotta take your talent, you gotta take your spirit-given abilities and you gotta put them to use. You gotta know what they are and you gotta know how to use them. And when you do, ooh, amazing things will happen. Amazing things will happen. 
and it'll be a lot better than just an orange cup of, of water. I promise you that. Let me pray this over you. We'll get you out of here. Father, this is a difficult discussion and conversation for some of us to have because some of us have some baggage when it comes to this stuff. We've been taught so many things uh, and experienced so many things or the opposite end of the spectrum, Lord. We've heard nothing and experienced nothing when it comes to this stuff. And so this morning, our hope and our prayer is that you would just take the Bible, take the truth that Paul spoke and that you would help it to stick with us, God. Whatever is not of you, we pray, will just fade away. But what is of you, God, what is true and real and right, what is best for us, what is biblical, we pray that it will stick deep in our hearts. And this pertains especially, Lord, to the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of tongues and interpretation and prophecy. These are great gifts that have been used and abused over time, and so we just kind of put them on the shelf and forgot about them. Lord, I pray that we will begin to experience these gifts afresh and anew and realize that there are so many more things possible in you than we ever thought possible. Lord, would you strengthen this church? Would you give some a special prayer language, a special tongue to speak to you in more profound ways? Would you give every person in this room the ability to receive a word from you, God, to hear your voice and to share it boldly with others? Would you make them prophets? We pray that you will use the Spirit to do what only he can do. Help us to heal and help a hurting world. Make it so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.